the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by Rotographs editor Eno Saris. And today, we are continuing our discussion of the positional tier rankings that have been published on Rotographs since we left off last Thursday. But first, as always, we are going to start things off with the most interesting player alive today, and that's Anthony Rizzo, somebody who is near and dear to your heart, you know. You own him in Tout Wars, and he's a big reason why... You are now in fifth place, a real leap up in the standings since I last made fun of your Towers team. <laughs> that's that's uh, good news. Uh, I hadn't actually checked in on the standings recently. <laughs> I Well, I check only because I'm near the top. And, I, <laughs> but, and see, the thing is, is I, I, I'm... I don't know if anybody actually, you know, summarizes the Towers standings, maybe on Towers.com or somewhere else. But when they summarize it, I want to be in first place at that very moment. I don't care if in first place the day before or a week later. It's the time that they summarize the standings and they discuss the league. That's when I want to be in first place. Well, there, of course, at the end. <laughs> there are a couple of people I wouldn't mind beating who are now behind me, so that, that makes me happy. <laughs> I think the best result by the end of the season is to absolutely have a Fangraphs domination with us in the top. That would be awesome if we that went one be. too. Yeah. That'd be a pretty big argument for, hey, can you put us in the real show? Yeah, we're we're in the minor leagues right now. I think it's time for a promotion. Yeah. All right, so Anthony Rizzo, uh, nine home runs, betting only 262, but 25 RBI, 17 home runs. Is this guy potentially maybe even a top five first baseman? Well, that was my contention in the beginning of the season. I, I don't know. I probably should have put more bold language in my bold predictions. Um, Super bold prediction on him. My, my bold prediction was that he would outproduce Adrian Gonzalez, ah. uh, who was, I think, a top five preseason uh, guy for us. So uh, I don't think that's a stretch at all for, for myself. So I, I, I love him. I think one of the main things that I keep saying is that he, he changed his swing, um, and he's not the same guy who – struck out 30% of the time with the Padres. Um, and I, I believe he can even better his strikeout rate a little bit more than what he's doing now. Yeah, actually, his swinging strike rate is down slightly from last year. His contact percentage is almost identical from last year. So it actually looks like his uh, worst strikeout rate this season as compared to last year is a fluke. And actually, he should improve as the season goes on. And if that improves, his batting average is going to creep back up. And obviously, more contact should lead to more home runs. So, I mean, this is a legit potential 35-40 home run guy batting 280. And that, to me, sounds like a very possible uh, top five guy. And especially, he already has four steals. So if he can steal five to ten bases, uh, I mean, this is like what people expected from Paul Goldschmidt last year. Yeah, I don't know what to say about the steals. I mean, he had he had one year where if you combined all his steals, he had, he had double-digit steals. But... Um, I wouldn't expect too much more. But, you know, I'm really happy with what he's done already. Um, I think that he can do a little bit more, in, like you said about his batting average. I think he can he improve there a little bit. 
Uh, the power is probably not – it's probably – little high for him. Well, I don't know, though. I mean, he's changed his batter ball profile a little bit. He's hitting more fly balls, and I believe in his power. So, I mean, obviously, I guess right now he's on like a 40-plus home run pace. I would I would notch that down and say he finishes in the 30s, in the, in the low, in maybe the mid-30s somewhere. Yeah, that's clearly more realistic. And he's a guy that I think a lot of fantasy owners might be kicking themselves because you look back and you're like, oh, obviously he's doing this. Why didn't I value him? higher and I do own him in a couple of leagues but I feel like maybe I should own him in more leagues but last year I was a little concerned because his average uh, batted ball distance was only about league average and and so that suggested as much as I wanted to believe in his power that suggested to me that maybe he doesn't have that 35 home run power like some might think but now his batted ball distance is at 305 feet which is validating the, the huge power spike and so I, I think everything about him so far is absolutely for real. So he's clearly not a sell high. Yeah, the, you know, there's a, it was a little bit of a feel thing for me because if you look now, he's uh, about 650 plate appearances into his career. He's a 250 average and 25 home runs. Um, that's probably that probably was a realistic. Um, projection for this year yeah actually i projected him for 200 uh for 25 home runs batting like 270 so that power projection is right on um you know what he did but if you just look at you know and also he did hit in some nice parks in the minor leagues so that that's something to be to watch out for but i just i just love the way that as he got older and bigger and went up in the minor leagues his power numbers always went up so I just uh, I just thought that that he would do the same thing in the big leagues too. Yeah, what was interesting is that Wrigley Field is very good for left-handed power hitters. Yet he only has three home runs at Wrigley versus six on the road in the exact same number of at bats. So it's a good sign that he's hitting them on the road. Yeah, Wrigley's been pretty cold though, you know. So it's it's good. it's going to warm up. Yeah, you know that Wrigley is good for lefties, and so that should even out, which is just another reason why you should believe in his uh, increased power. Um, but moving on, and this is actually a good segue to get into the first base tiers that were posted by Mike Axisa, uh, I believe it was this morning. Uh, yeah, it was today. So let's start off again with the guys that we disagree with, like we did previously. So, you know, give me a name of a first baseman that you disagree with his placement in the tiers. You know, I think, um... I'm trying to read my scribble. Uh, I think. <laughs> why do people even use pens anymore? Um, so I think I have Alan Craig, uh, who's at the bottom of tier. Is that two or three? Tier two. He's you no know, bottom middle. He's right above uh, Edwin Encarnacion, right below Billy Butler. Yeah, and near Adrian Gonzalez. So I, I like Alan Craig for a good batting average, um, but I don't think that he's proven to have uh, a great power so you know i would i would say full season true talent home run pace i'd put him somewhere between 20 and 25 yeah doesn't it uh, make him similar to what we think now from adrian gonzalez a 20 home run guy batting 300 and hitting the middle of a good lineup which is gonna lead to good rbi opportunity i mean how it good? does it does if you believe in a 300 batting average um if it's more like 280 um you know, I just don't know that I believe that he has the same sort of approach to hitting that Gonzo has. I mean, Gonzo 
specifically spoke about the sort of Joey Votto school of hitting where now he's going to spray it to all fields. He's going to have a line drive stroke, he's, you know, that sort of deal. Um, I'm not sure that I get the same feeling from Alan Craig. He has Alan Craig has not showed up in all my opposite field leaderboards that um, that I've done looking at Joey Votto stuff. So um, I don't necessarily think that Craig has the opposite field prowess to necessarily be a 300 plus hitter. Now you know he's obviously close. So uh, I just wanted to bring him up because. Um, you know, for example, Anthony Rizzo is in the next tier, and um, I believe with Rizzo's power, he he can get he can muscle that batting average close to 280, and he's gonna, you know, one and a half times close to double uh, Craig's power. Yeah, and looking at Anthony Rizzo, he's actually toward the top of tier three, right below Chris Davis. Both of those hitters, Davis and Rizzo, seem pretty darn similar to me. Rizzo probably has a bit higher batting average potential just because he doesn't strike out as often. But that's about it. They, they seem very similar, and they're, they're rightly both at the top of Tier 3. So if you think Rizzo might sneak into the bottom of Tier 2, do you think Chris Davis could as well? Yeah, that was, that was what I was going to ask you. I mean, how you felt about Davis's uh, sort of new contact rates but you know what even with davis's new contact rates he's still striking out 25 percent of the time that's that's rizzo's five percent lower the 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 league average is 20 25 percent is 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 i would call worrisome on anybody but chris davis so i mean what do you think about 25 percent uh it's it's funny when you're saying oh he's looking good he's only striking out 25 percent of the time what I see with Chris Davis, I see every single metric pointing to a, a total absolute breakout. Look at his walk rate. His walk rate, he's more than doubled his walk rate from the last two years. His strikeout rate is down. He's hitting more fly balls than ever. Basically, every single metric that suggests an improved hitter at the plate is in Chris Davis's favor. So I'm totally on board with Chris Davis hitting 35 to 40 home runs, batting, you know, actually uh, helping your batting average rather than hurting it this year? Well, uh, I, do, I do have Davis as an asterisk right next to Rizzo. I, I guess it's just, it's just one of those things that happens at the end of one tier, the beginning of another, where you're not sure exactly where the tier line is. Yeah. Um, but I would say that I think that Alan Craig looks a lot more at home next to Freddie Freeman, uh, who's below Rizzo and Davis. Yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. I like it. And I would rather put Craig next to Freeman and Rizzo and Davis next to Encarnacion, who I think has a similar skill set. Personally, I think Buster Posey is too high. I think it's the perception of him being a catcher. But if you're ranking him with first baseman, he's clearly not toward the top of Tier 2. I mean, I'd uh, probably 10 first basemen below him I'd rather have than Buster Posey if I'm playing him at first base. I know that people want us to to rank players at all their positions, and that in some cases it's very useful to know where you might play. You know, someone like Zobrist, where Zobrist might be worth what he might be worth in the outfield versus shortstop, or whatever. But particularly when we look at catchers in the first base rankings, I'm always like, why do we even bother? Because if you're playing Joe Mauer at first, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, it's so funny how many first, uh, how many catchers actually qualify at first. You got Posey, Carlos Santana, Joe Maurer, uh, Mike Napoli. Mike, Mike Napoli is actually playing first, but again, if you have Napoli on your team, right. you shouldn't be playing him at first base. Yeah, yeah. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listeners out there, if you got a catcher at first base and you don't want us ragging on you and t- telling you that you're doing something wrong then get that guy out of first base and make a trade if you have to. You're just that's, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, even value on the table. For a, a just few not... weeks or something, but, you know, I would I would definitely be making the trade. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, give us another name if you have another name on the first base list. That my, last, my last one is just um, Adam LaRoche. Uh, and and I, I the way that this has been working for me is that I spot a guy in one tier and I spot a guy in another tier and I'm sort of like I would rather swap those guys. So yeah, and Adam Laroche is in the tier four and he's sandwiched between Paul Canerco and Ryan Howard. Yeah, and Ike Davis is there. And and, and basically that's the sort of underperforming tier where they they still have enough upside. You know, the, the, I think the argument sort of is that they have enough upside to be relevant. They should be rostered and. Um, there's still something interesting about them. To me, LaRoche is bordering on uninteresting. I, I don't own him. I don't want to own him. I don't want to trade for him. Uh, and if I, if I ever got a question, should I drop him for somebody else, I would probably say yes. Um, I just don't like the way his contact rates are going. He's 33. He was always a borderline first baseman. He, he ended the season around 270 with 25 homers, which is... You know, very borderline for first baseman, but then also he always had unownable stretches. And now I just feel like at this age, the unownable stretches are going to get longer. There's going to be an injury. Uh, I see Todd Frazier in the fifth tier, and I would rather just switch Todd Frazier and Adam LaRoche. You know, it's funny with Adam LaRoche is that back in the day he used to be a big second half hitter, and he would suck it up in the first half, but you always knew the second half was coming, he was going to be amazing. And that's held up until. Last year and, and recently, I don't think he's really followed that trend anymore. And you just wonder, is that going to happen again this year where he has a great second half? But he's another year older, and you wonder, one of these years is maybe the year where he's just done and he puts together two poor halves and just has a disappointing season. And you don't know when that's going to come, but perhaps this is this year. I mean, he's striking out a ton more than usual, so you just don't know. And, and obviously, we know he doesn't have the huge upside, especially in the batting average department. So, I mean, he's really just a one-category, maybe two-category guy if you include RBIs. Yeah, and I don't want to ruin – I, I want to set something up for something I'm going to say later. But the, if you look at LaRoche's contact and, and sort of swing rates and stuff, one thing you'll notice is he's swinging less. So I think he's, he's kind of trying to do that thing where he's like, I'm going to be selective and I'm just going to swing at the ones I want to swing at. But he's swinging less at pitches inside the zone – you know he's 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 taken away more from his swinging in at pitches inside the zone than he has from pitches outside the zone. So he's not actually being any more selective. He's being less selective. He's just swinging less and making less contact. So it's like I don't know what he. It seems like a sort of when you look at that, you're just like you're, you're lost. You 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 don't know you're swinging at you're swinging more like relatively at things outside the zone, and you're swinging less at things inside the zone. And you're making less contact on the pitches inside the zone. So I. That's that's a profile that I don't like. That basically suggests to me I can't stand when a hitter is described as looking lost at the plate. I hate that completely. <laughs> but what you're describing with LaRoche basically sounds exactly like he is lost at the plate. 
Yeah. Oh. I mean, you, you want to be able to pick strikes and swing at them. I mean, yeah. that's a basic thing. Yeah, another name, Michael Kadire, I think is too low. I definitely would rather have Kadire than LaRoche. And Kadire is toward the bottom of the, the fourth tier, right above Eric Hosmer, a couple of names down from LaRoche, and I'd much rather have Kadire there. It's an interesting tier, though. I mean, if you just moved LaRoche to the bottom of that tier, I think it's a decent buy low. It's a decent decent spot to be looking if you you need a first baseman on the cheap. Yeah, okay. Uh, moving along to third base, and it's funny because I didn't even pick up on it. You mentioned Todd Frazier. Where does he even qualify at first base? I guess Yahoo leagues. I had no idea. I mean, he's a third base in all my leagues. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't even want to mention him. It's another one of those things. If you have him, you're playing the third. Or if you have a five outfielder league, he's, he's an outfielder in some leagues. Yeah, well, that's weird. Um, all right, let's move along to third base, where Todd Frazier truly belongs. And uh, last week, Michael Barr published his rankings, the tiers for third base. So let's talk about who you disagree with here. All right, well, this is going to be a little bit weird. And, and I hope that it, um, it's easily followable. So, you know, I, in the past, I've been sort of picking out guys that I would switch in tiers, kind of. Um, and... In this one, I just spotted two guys in Tier 3 and four guys in Tier 4. I would just wholesale switch. Um, and so what I'm saying is Reynolds, uh, Mark Reynolds and Todd Frazier are in Tier 3. I like these names more than those names. Mark Trumbo, Brett Laurie, Kyle Seeger, and Nolan Arenado. Yes. So I, there, I know that that makes for a large tier three. Um, but, you know, sometimes there are large tiers just because there are groups where you uh, have slightly different skill sets. Seager, you know, steals a couple, has an okay batting average, that sort of deal. You have slightly different skill sets, but there's but there's not a great functional difference between them. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I think Laurie is definitely undervalued here. Uh, I think, I mean, he hasn't really done a whole lot since coming back from the disabled list, and we still don't really know what kind of true talent power he has. But he's going to steal 15 to 20 bases as well. I definitely think he should be in Tier 3. I think the hot start from Mark Reynolds is uh, overshadowing his batting average downside. Uh, Todd Frazier, to me, is very similar to Will Middlebrooks, the difference being potentially batting average just because Middlebrooks has been awful, cannot make contact. Uh, Trumbo, or I should say Frazier, is basically a poor man's version of Trumbo. I mean, Trumbo is a, a 30 to 35 home run guy. Todd Frazier is like a 25 home run guy. I don't see anything that Frazier does better than Trumbo, to be honest. Maybe a couple of steals. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> exactly. I mean, they're they're very similar. I guess maybe on base percentages uh, leagues, but um, which might turn into a couple of runs. But I mean, uh, you know, you can get a few more runs playing for the Angels too. And if you're just looking at Reynolds, I mean. Uh, his strikeout rate looks okay, but uh, the underlying stuff is is no better than usual. I mean, he's making a lot of contact on pitches outside the zone, which is just not something I want to bank on. Uh, he's swinging about the same as he ever has. He's reaching more than he ever has, and that's a bad thing for me. And he's swing, his swinging strike rate is the same as ever. So I, I think he's the same guy. Yeah, I think potentially who might be underrated here is Martin Prado at the top of Tier 5 with the likes of Kevin Euclid, Chris Johnson, Connor Gillespie, uh, David Freeze, Jed Jerko. 
And Prado is somebody who I feel like might be always underrated because a lot of his value is tied to batting average, and and it's hard to value that appropriately. And he's also not really stealing bases, which you know had a lot to do with his strong value last year. So he's somebody who might be fairly valued in Tier 5, but preseason, I definitely had him higher, especially higher than Matt Carpenter, Josh Donaldson, Moustakas. A lot of the guys in Tier 4, actually, I had Prado worth more than. How did you, uh, do you remember what your uh, your your power prediction was for him? Uh, I think it was probably similar to his projection right here, 12 home runs. Um, it was definitely low teens. I, I didn't project uh, any increase due to the move to a better ballpark. Well, I mean, his, his home run per fly ball rate is up, um, you know, and uh, he's already got four dingers. So I feel like, I feel like he could push that past 15 this year. And if so, he definitely deserves to be in Tier 4. Right. I think I agree with you on that one. All right. Let's move along to another edition of the Bull and Bear. And we are going to discuss Dan Ugla, who has been killing the Braves and fantasy owners alike, now for basically a year and a month. So... You know, what side are you taking and why? <laughs> I'm taking well, do you like better? I'm taking the uh, bear bear, the bad side. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and I can't wait to see what you've got because I've got uh, you know the third the third and first worst strikeout rates of his career on my side. Uh, the the second and worst swing strike rates of his career, uh, the worst batted ball mix of his career. He's hitting more ground balls than ever. Um, just and if you look at his swing strike rates uh, and his just his contact, his worst contact rate of his career, um, the worst zone swing percentage of his career. And this is what I was trying to set up earlier. He's swinging at, at pitches inside the zone less than ever. Yeah, he is. And a lot of his trends and his plate discipline is a complete mess. I mean, it's, it, it kind of looks like a player who perhaps is falling off the face of the earth at the moment. So <laughs> this is quite the challenge, but I'm up for the challenge. And I will give you some positives, actually, because yeah. there are some positives to be gleaned. First off, he's walking at almost an identical rate to last season when he posted a career-high walk rate. So he hasn't really yet lost his idea of the strike zone. His play patient is still strong. Yes, when he swings, he's missing more than he used to, but he still has a good eye at the plate. Number two, his power, although it hasn't re, uh, rebounded to vintage levels, it still has rebounded nicely from last year. His isolated slugging is almost at 200 right now, and his home run per fly ball rate, whether you think it's a sustainable or not, is at a career high. So whether... He can sustain that or not. The fact is that his power is still there. It's clear his power is still there. So he's walking at a good rate, which means that his run scored, which is at 17 right now, should continue. And he's still hitting home runs. So he should return to the 25 home run plateau. So no, he's not going to contribute to average, obviously, because he's striking out a ton. But if you expected him to bat more than 250, then you're the fool. I mean, that's all I can say. So (laughs) he's not going to hit above 230. But I think the power 
and the RBI and run production is going to offset it. Of course, he only has nine RBIs, and, and that looks a little low, obviously, but that seems a bit fluky. I mean, he is in a good lineup, and with five home runs, you expect more than nine RBIs, so that should come up. But, I mean, he is, for a second baseman, he is basically a three-category contributor. He has stolen a couple of bases in the past, so he's not a complete zero. He shouldn't be a complete zero in that category. So, I don't think all, he should be necessarily dumped in every league. Those are all decent points. I guess also, in all base percentage leagues, I believe, as you do, that um, his walk rate is still going to be there. He can probably... I think he probably hit 230 with a 325 on base. Uh, and the 325 on base is playable in most leagues. And then, um, yeah, you could hit another 20 homers. So, all right. I mean, I, it just goes, I guess, maybe back to this bias that I have against uh, bad batting average guys. It's it's hard for me, unless I, I'm in a head-to-head league and punting uh, batting average, it's hard for me to take on these guys because I very rarely have a team that's so stacked at batting average that I can take on it like it's such a dead weight in in that category. But um, maybe you maybe you do have that team. And then also, uh, you know, I just, we, we don't know for certain that, the, the one thing that's really interesting about these swing and contact rates is that we know that swing rates and contact rates um, are one of the first to become reliable. But we don't actually know what the best sort of interaction of these things in, is because, He's swinging at less pitches than ever, which might be a good idea for a guy who isn't selective, but maybe it's a bad idea for him. And it's like with LaRoche, they're swinging less overall, and they're swinging less at outside pitches, which looks good, but they're swinging less at pitches in the zone, which is a bad idea. So we're, I think we're still figuring out the, the sort of optimal mix there. And it might, it might not exist for every player. It probably every, every player has their sort of own baseline optimal you know, swing pattern, but um, there is something in common that he has with LaRoche that I don't like. Yeah, and Bill Petty, uh, before this season, introduced a new metric called the Clifford uh, metric, and it identified collapsed candidates. One of the uh, metrics used in the Clifford metric is Z contact percentage, which is uh, contact rate inside the strike zone. And Dan Uglis has dropped from 78% to 69%. So if that's not uh, raising the red flag, I don't know what is. So, yeah. I mean, for me, what I think is it's kind of to the extreme where I think Ugla very well could be completely done. Or his contact rate is going to rebound a bit and he's going to still have some decent value. But I think there is a real good chance that he's just completely done because there are enough signs right now that suggest he's just done completely worthless. Yeah. I mean, I just, I would, uh, I, I, I own him in a 20 team on base percentage league and you know, he doesn't worry me in a deep, in a league that deep that uses OBP, but he does, he doesn't, he isn't like a long-term solution. It's a dynasty league. So I know, on some level, I have to be looking for a second baseman. Yeah, in an OBP league, I think actually he makes a good buy low because even with a sub-200 batting average, his OBP is still above 300, which for a second baseman is is not terrible. It's, it's Adam Dunlight. That's right, at second base. All right, speaking of second base, let us get to the last tier discussion. Uh, that second base, of course, posted yesterday by J.P. Breen. So give us your first name that you disagree with and that cannot be Dan Ugla, of course. 
couple of guys in in tier three that I might move up. And the first is uh, Josh Rutledge, um, who I think is oh he's tier four. Tier four, Josh Rutledge. I, I think I would move him up to tier three. Sorry. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, and I have him. So Rutledge is next to uh, Matt Carpenter, who's the other guy I'd move up. Uh, who else is in that tier? Neil Walker, Danny Espinosa, Howie Kendrick. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not interested in Danny Espinosa. I'm not that interested in Howie Kendrick, but I am interested in Rutledge and Matt Carpenter. The thing I like about Rutledge is that um, I don't. I don't really care about his contact rate. I mean, his walk rate. It's it's up, but it's not really reliable yet. And he's not a guy who's going to be about walking anything more than average. His strikeout rate is. Under 20% is at 15.2%. And I think that's really important because he's a bit of a free swinger. Uh, I believe in his power and his speed long term. He's already stolen five and hit four. So a, a BABIP around 247, especially he's a ground ball heavy guy. I just see that batting average on balls and play coming up. I see a, a, a fat, nice streak coming up. Well, my only concern with Rutledge right now is that he's been dropped toward the bottom of the order recently, and now with Nolan Arenado starting out hot, he could settle into that number two hole, which was Rutledge's old hole, and if Rutledge is hitting seventh or eighth in that order, yes, it's still Colorado, it's still a good lineup, but that's just not a good position to be in from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, and it, and it does it does affect probably uh, most his stolen base opportunities. Uh, oh, yeah. You don't do a lot of stealing in front of the pitcher. Um, so that would be potentially bad news. But I, I think actually the way that Walt Weiss manages um, is pretty reactive. And I think that if Rutledge went on a streak, he may not get all the way back up to, to number two. But um, he, I think he'll move up to five, six, seven at least and, and, and get more opportunities with people on, have more RBIs and, and have more chances to steal bases. Yeah, that's definitely possible. It's just a matter of, yeah, you have to hope that he hits and that somebody else is slumping that he could take his spot. Otherwise, it, it's really going to hamper his uh, fantasy value if he remains down at 7 or 8. Um, all right, give us another second-base name that you disagree with. Well, that was Matt Carpenter. Carp uh, was a big – I was a big fan of Carps in the, in the preseason. And uh, he's doing pretty much exactly what I expected – um, he doesn't have he, he had 346 Babbitt last year in 340 play appearances. This year it's down to 308, which is uh, probably sustainable. So I would I would set what he's at right now as a baseline. But I actually think that he could push that Babbitt north because he is an extreme line drive hitter, and I believe it uh, just from the way I've watched uh, I've watched him and just from his minor league sort of numbers and and the stuff that he's done. Uh, I believe he's those guys that can really hit a line drive. So um, I, I think he's a 280 guy, true talent, and I think all the power projections are a little bit low for him. All right. You know, I actually disagree on Carpenter because I think that he's really just a one-category guy, run score. And if somehow he slumps and he gets dropped to the bottom of the order and John Jay goes on a hot streak, I think it's going to take a bite out of the one category that he really can contribute in. I don't see him really doing well in batting average. He doesn't have much power. doesn't have speed. So this is a one-category guy to me. You you wouldn't find value in 15 to 20 home runs? I don't think he can hit 15 to 20 home runs. I mean, right now he's – well, actually, it's only 475 at-bats. The Zips updated projections are for 10 home runs. I mean, he's got three right now, 
which, yeah, I guess that would put him on pace for 15. He only hit six last year, though, in half a season, which would extrapolate to to, uh, to 12. So, uh, I don't know. 15 home runs, yes, it would certainly be valuable, especially at the top of the lineup. I'm just not so sure he can get there. Yeah, maybe he's not a tier three guy. Um, I don't know. I definitely think he's uh, – I just think he's a, a, a bubble star at second base, especially for people who are dealing with injury or whatever. So, um I don't, I don't have the tiers in front of me right now, but, um, you know, I just want him to be in the top 12, top 15, because I have no, I have no problems running Carpenter out there. Yeah. And I mean, second base sucks. Yeah. Second base does suck. Uh, and OBP leagues, if you're in one of those, Carpenter definitely has added value because he's always shown fantastic walk rates in the minors. He should walk more. He should walk more for sure. He, and, and it's not, walk rates not quite stable yet. No. So, I mean, even though it's down right now, you have to assume it's going to improve and he'll, he'll be worth even more in OBP leagues. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. So join us again on Thursday for more fantasy fun on The Sleeper and the Bust. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.